Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. How many of y'all have had your turkey? All right, bunch of y'all. Listen, listen, no falling asleep on me tonight, okay? I've heard that turkey actually chemically does that to you, so... If you need to get a coffee, I'm sure someone in the Connections team will hook you up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, One of the things I love about being a pastor is I love it when people ask me questions. So if you're out there and you're like, man, I don't want to bother him. He's too busy. Or like, man, I feel like it's a stupid question. Just like stop believing those lies. Like it is my pleasure and job to serve you. And I love when people ask me questions about their life about the scriptures, about walking with Jesus, any of that sort of stuff, it's literally what I'm on this planet to do. And so I love when people ask me questions about scripture and things like that. It's one of the reasons why I love Bible study. And, and, and oftentimes people will ask me lots of different questions. And it's sometimes people in the church, and sometimes it's people outside of the church. And this past uh, Saturday I was playing hockey, and I had a guy start asking me about our church here up in Barrington. And because I was playing hockey in Yarmouth, and he's asking me about our church, and how many people come, and what do you guys do? And he was just, like, totally floored. And I don't, like, go and, like, bring my Bible and start, like, I just build relationships with people, and they knew who I am. And usually what happens is, like, I don't, like, they ask the question. And so this guy asked the question. I'm like, and I just had opportunity. Like, he asked me what we do and why we do. And I said, honestly, like, we just want Jesus to connect to everyone's life. And it's not about, like, how you dress or anything like that. Like, God looks at your heart, and Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. And it was just an awesome conversation. And those kinds of conversations come up when people ask questions. And one of the other things I love to do is I I love to ask questions. As a pastor, that's one of the things I get to do a lot. Whether I'm going for a drive with someone, someone pops in. I get a lot of people. I get a lot of people that text me or send me Facebook messages And I love interacting and going back and forth, and I love asking questions. And one of the things that happens when I ask someone questions is they get to share from their heart. And I love actually asking people about things they're really passionate about. People want to be heard. One of the most loving things you can do to someone is ask someone a question, look them in the eyes, and stop and listen. Because the moment you do that, you're telling that person, I care about you, and I care about what you're about to say. I love having super deep and meaningful conversations. Now, don't get me wrong. I love talking about sports, and I love talking about just everyday things, but I really, really love talking about things that matter. I love having conversations with people and asking questions about things that matter in life and your faith. And so as we kind of jump into this new sermon series, I want to ask you some questions that are a bit more reflective. Um, And I want you to imagine you're sitting across from me or someone else, and you're having a deep conversation about what really matters to you. And so, again, I just want you to process some questions as we get started here. Why do you work where you work? Why did you marry your spouse? Why did you stay married to your spouse? If you're not married, why are you single? Why do you come to this church? Not a church, this church. Why? Why do you serve in the church or community? 
or why don't you serve in the church or the community? Why do you eat the food that you eat? Why do you live in the house that you're in? Why do you drive the vehicles that you drive? Why do you give your money to the church? What are the three words that you'd want used in your eulogy to describe your life that wouldn't require the person to lie? These are deep questions that ask about our everyday life and living. And I think these questions actually push us to look a little bit deeper. See, in the last sermon series that we did, we talked about living the Jesus way. We talked about how Jesus is inviting every single one of us in this room to live in an entirely different lifestyle. And that takes a whole process of reorientation, like a rewiring. Hebrews, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to radically change the way in which we live. He wants to rewire our values, the way in which we think, the way in which we see the world. He wants to change your life, like literally change your life. And part of the process of God changing your life and changing your value system into kingdom values and changing the way in which you see the world, it causes us to look at those questions I just said differently. And it gets deeper. It gets deeper to the reason why you and I exist. Why on earth are you and I on this planet? And it really gets to the question of purpose. What on earth am I here for? And so in this new sermon series, we want to talk about, we want to talk about purpose. And as I was praying this afternoon, I was praying for all y'all. And as I was praying this afternoon, I was just praying thinking about the sermon series, we just finished talking about the Jesus way and how it's my desire for, for myself and for each and every one of you, like it's my desire for you that you would live a Jesus way lifestyle because it leads to blessing your life and blessing every single person around you. And the other thing I was praying as we, as we kind of transition into this sermon series on called Purpose is I want your life to be fueled by the purposes of God. I want God's purposes to be fulfilled in and through your life. And so I was praying for you. And like, I don't want that just as, that sounds like a really nice idea. No, I actually want you to live out the purposes that God has for you. And so that's what I prayed. I prayed that your life would actually be radically different, that you'd be a kingdom citizen living from the purposes that God has for you. And so this new sermon series we're going to jump into, it's not called Living on Purpose. It's not called Living worth with Purpose, but it's called Living from Purpose. Because our purpose has its origin somewhere. It's actually part of how God actually hardwired you and us to be in the very beginning. So how do we live from purpose? This past Thursday, we were in Bible study, and by the way, it's not too late. If you're, if you're not connected to our Bible study or you're kind of itching to learn more about the scriptures, I'd highly encourage you to come Thursday nights at 7. Um, we've been kind of jumping in to kind of some foundational things about God and about Jesus, and it's not surprising that the last few weeks, um, this past week and the week before, we spent time in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1 in particular, and what I have found as I've studied the book of Genesis is that as you look at Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, in particular starting with Genesis 1 and 2, you see how God originally designed 
things to operate and function. You think about like God's ideal for how he set creation is set up to operate, look at Genesis 1 and 2. And if you want to figure out why things aren't operating the way that God's ideal and plan and purpose and design, just read Genesis 3, right? And so it's amazing how much sense you can get out of this current state of the world if you read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Because you see what God originally had purposed and how that all went astray. So we're going to look tonight at Genesis chapter 1. As we talk about this idea of living from purpose, we're going to start with God being a purposeful God. He is full of purpose and intentionality. This is what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And it was evening, and there was morning the first day. One thing I'll say before we kind of jump into the text here is that sometimes we can be guilty of trying to make Scripture say stuff that we want it to say. And we can do that even here in Genesis. We want Genesis 1 to answer questions that the author of Genesis wasn't attempting to answer. Now, Moses was inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote down the first five books of the Bible, including Genesis, and Moses wasn't there in the very beginning. But God inspired Moses with what we read here in Genesis chapter 1. Moses inspired by the Holy Spirit, and in Genesis chapter 1, we see a couple things that God wanted to communicate about himself. That he was one God, Right off the bat, very first one, that he's a God who creates and builds, and he's a God who creates good. He was a singular God. What's interesting about this is that in, in Jewish early history, all the nations surrounding the Jewish people, they all believed in worshiping multiple gods. There's a word called polytheism. Poly means many, and theism means gods. And so People, all the surrounding nations of Israel, they all worship multiple gods. And so for the Jewish faith to say, no, there's actually one God in the beginning, God, not gods, not multiple gods, one God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was quite offensive to other nations around this idea of believing in one God, but God is one. And he's a God who creates and builds I love how the first part of this passage of scripture, it's, it's kind of like a chaotic scene. The earth is without form, so there's no order to the earth, and void, and darkness is over the face of the deep. It's like this picture of like chaos, of not things set in order, but then the Bible says, and God said. Uh, this past week, we were looking at Jesus and how, how, if you read through the New Testament, it's amazing to me how much it talks about Jesus in creating. The Bible says, and the word was with God and the word was, was God at the very beginning. And everything that was made was made through him, Jesus the word, and for him. And if you read in Colossians chapter 1, it says that Jesus the word holds everything together that was created. And so in the beginning in creation, we see God making everything and giving purpose and order to things. That God created everything out of nothing. And I love this picture here. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. 
And the Spirit of God was just getting ready to do what God was about to do. The Spirit of God was getting ready to create because the Trinity created everything. I know it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that, but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three, created everything out of nothing. And so we see that God bringing order and creating everything. So if you look in the whole chapter of chapter one, it, the word says God created five times. There's all kinds of God activity happening here. God says nine times. God saw seven times. God separated. God calls happens three times. God made happens three times. God sets and God blessed. God is up to stuff in Genesis chapter one, amen? He's doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, he took the earth. He made everything out of nothing. Louis Giglio, one of my favorite preachers, talks about he's a God who breathes out stars. Man, like, wow. He's a God who made everything. He's this amazing, marvelous, wonderful God. All these adjectives we use to describe earthly things, like when we think about God, and he created everything out of nothing. And everything that he created had a purpose. It had an order. It had a function. Like God designed things purposely. And it's amazing to see some of that stuff in action. You look at wildlife. You look at the solar system. You look at Niagara Falls. You look at some of the stuff in creation that God created that causes our chins to drop on the floor. And we're like, wow. And we're like, yeah, God created it. And it's good. Amen? How many know that we live in one of the most beautiful areas in the world? We are so blessed to live where we live and not in a concrete jungle because we're not blinded and we get to actually see the handiwork of God. That's why in Romans chapter 1, the scripture says, no one's without excuse about believing in God. Creation itself testifies that someone had to design this thing, right? It didn't just happen. Someone was behind the designing of the cosmos and the universe. Amen? And someone was behind designing your body. Amen? How many of you know our bodies are crazy complex? There's this cell in your body called laminin, and it's a cell God designed to hold all your cells together. Like, think about your immune system. Think about DNA. Think about how God Every single one of you in this room, God make unique and different. God gave you your unique personality, your passions, all the things that God gave you. The scripture says, you are knit together in your mother's womb. I don't know about you guys, but as I just get thinking about this stuff, kind of live in action right here, it just caused me to just shake my head like, wow, God, you're good. You're amazing. And the scripture says that after every day of creation, God saw what he, was, what he made, and the scripture says, he said that it was, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. God made the heavens and the earth. It was good. He put all the stars in the sky and calls them all by name. And the psalmist in Psalm chapter 8, David here, he said, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set the glory above the heavens. And then in verse 3, I love this picture of David. This is David. Now, we're, I want you all to do an exercise when you leave tonight, okay? You cool with this? Some of y'all aren't cool with it. That's okay. <laughs> Trust me on this one. It's dark out now, and when you go outside, if it's a clear night, I want you to go up, and I want you to look at the stars. 
Stop. Take a few minutes. And I want you to look at the stars and the moon and everything in the sky. And I want you to stop and wonder about the wonder of God. Stop and think about how God created the entire universe. And it was good. And yet, this same God who created the entire expanse of the universe made you and loves you and wants a relationship with you. And David felt this incredible tension in creation. He's like, when I look up at the sky and the handiwork and the stars and everything you've made, God, and I start to think about myself, I feel kind of small. In the grand scheme of this universe, God, that you create it. And David says, who am I that you're mindful of me, that you'd even think about me? And yet, in creation, in the very beginning, when God makes man on the sixth day, he doesn't just say it's good. He said, it's very good. That when God created you, he didn't just say good as comparison to all the other things he created. He said, it's very good. And then he summarized all creation at the end, saying, it's very, very good. You see, God spoke, something happened, and then what happened was good. It had a purpose behind it. It had a reason and a function. God is a purposeful God, and all the things he made had purpose. The scripture says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, speaking of our purpose, then God said, let us... See that word us there? Chapter 1 is a great word study there. Come to Bible study. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is kind of a little bit deep. But verse 26 really talks about God's original design and purpose for us as human beings. You and I were made in God's image. We were made to be like God, a relational being that reflects the glory and splendor and awesomeness of God to the rest of the world. God made us in his image. We're not made to be God, but we're made to be like God. We're made to be like our Heavenly Father. We can reflect the glory and beauty and splendor of God to the rest of the world. And God created us. Our original intended purpose was to reflect God to the world. That's why God created us. God created us to reflect his image. And God gave us purpose in the very beginning. Look, look at what the scripture says about the purpose that God gave right off the bat for man and woman. To have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Do you see the purpose in there? When God created you, he created you for a purpose. And this is what I want to get at. Your core identity, God made you. The core of who you are, God made you to reflect his image and to live for his purpose. The reason why you and I are on this planet is to reflect his glory, his image, and to live for his purposes. That's why we're here. That's literally the reason. If you boil it down, that's why we're here. But 
as we kind of dig into this a little bit, something has attacked our core identity, the image of God, and something has disrupted our chief reason for existence, our purpose. And if you look at Genesis chapter 3, we have a serpent that shows up and starts lying to Adam and Eve about their identity and about their purpose. This is what Genesis chapter 3 says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? Little side thing right here. We have an enemy of our soul. The scripture says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the chief way the enemy tries to work in your life is through lies. Jesus said about Satan, he's a liar and the father of lies. And he will lie to you every single day. And the problem is, we hear lies and believe them in our head, and we quickly don't recognize where they're coming from. You're hearing a condemning, accusing voice that's trying to beat you down and disqualify you. It's probably not from God. If you have a voice in your head that's questioning what God already said, it's probably not from God. And so Eve here has an encounter with the serpent that's questioning what God said and questioning their identity and questioning what they actually already had. It says, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Actually, <laughs> we know the rest of the story, right? Satan lies again. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Rewind to chapter 1, verse 26. God made them in his what? Own image. They were already like God. And Satan made them question their identity. Lied to them. Caused them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And instead of being God conscious, they became self-conscious. They had this idea that they didn't need God. And so sin enters the world. And sin, like, this is hard to explain. But the stain of sin, that talks about that a lot in the scriptures. Sin stains the image of God that you and I bear inside spiritually. It stains it so we don't reflect the glory and purity and beauty of God. And so the core reason why you and I exist to reflect the beauty and glory of God has been stained by sin. And not only that, because of sin, our ultimate purpose of serving God for good and for God has been tainted. And so we're at this stuck position because we believe these lies. And so Satan wants to attack and destroy the image of God in us, and he wants to attack and destroy the purposes of God for us. And he wants to do all that through lying. I invite the worship team to come and the prayer team to come at this time.
That's kind of left us in a little bit of a predicament. All of us, before we come to Jesus, the image of God is marred. So really what this means is this. You and I can't fully be who God designed us in the very beginning to be. God designed you and I to reflect the glory and splendor and beauty and purity and power of God, to reflect the image of God. You were created for that, and you were created to fulfill the purposes of God. Like, literally, the reason why you exist is to reflect God's image and to fulfill his purpose. That's not just like a side thing. It's not just something you add on to your life. Hear me tonight. The reason for your existence, the reason you're on this planet at a primary foundational level, the reason why you have oxygen breathing in your lungs is to reflect the glory of God and to fulfill his purposes for your life. That's why you're here. We sang tonight about God having good plants. James said he got the best seat in the house. And I love, like, looking out at you. And I love thinking about God's heart as a father for you. And I love thinking about God's plans for you. Like, how much does the father have in his heart for each and every one of you? How many good things does the father have in your future, in his heart, that he wants to bless you with? God has incredible purposes for each and every one of your lives. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter two though, it describes our problem and maybe where we get hung up. It talks about how we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Kind of doomed forever, the scripture says. But in verse four it says, but God who is rich in mercy sent Christ to die for us because of his great love for us. And even though we were dead, God made us alive together in Christ Jesus. And verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hear the good plans there? God has prepared good things in advance for you. He has a purpose for your life. And through Jesus suffering on the cross, he took all of our sin. The sin that stained us stained him. Look what sin did to the perfect son of God. It marred him all right. But Jesus was marred so the image of God inside of us could be made clean. Isn't that marvelous? So through Jesus, his blood washes us clean. And the beautiful image of God is restored in us. So you and I can live in, into our original purpose. We can be what God created us to be. And not only is that image restored, but because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of us. We are enabled by Christ in us to live out the good plans and purposes and good work that God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm here to tell you tonight, according to the scripture, God has incredible 
good plans for you. And every other endeavor that isn't living out of those two realities will always make you feel empty. It'll always feel like the itch isn't being scratched. And we can try to go to other things to find our purpose and we'll always come up empty. But man, oh man, when we can start reflecting the beauty and splendor of God, we can start living out of the purpose that God made us for. It's then that we'll find ultimate fulfillment because we're living and doing the things that God planned in advance for us to do. So this is what I want to say to you tonight as we get ready to pray and worship and take communion. Satan is lying to you. He's lying to you about your identity. He's lying to you about your purpose. He's trying to disqualify you and make you self-conscious, make you question, make you question yourself and make you question God. Satan is trying to make you feel self-conscious. He's trying to thwart the purposes of God for your life, and he's lying to you. He's saying to you, you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You don't have it good enough together to serve and do ministry and bless other people. Someone else can do it. You're not a good speaker. All the lies Satan feeds us every day, I'm just telling you tonight, he's lying to you. Because that's all he's got left in his bag of tricks is lies. And the father wants to silence those lies because he loves you. And he wants to say to you, no, I love you. I have good plans for you. And I don't want you to be conscious of yourself and your weaknesses and your, all the things. I know, Father's like, I know. <laughs> I know you're not perfect. But I loved you when you were my enemy. And I'm doing a work of grace in your life. And I'm going to bring that work to completion. I'm not giving up on you. And so here tonight, if you're struggling with the enemy lying to you about things that's trying to disqualify you, condemn you, accuse you, hold you captive, and hinder you from living out the purposes that God has for you, I just encourage you to come up for prayer and say, man, like, I need prayer tonight. I'm struggling. I just feel like there's so much confusion in my head and heart, and I want to be who God wants me to be. Or maybe you're here tonight, and you're just thankful that God called you and that you're living out the purposes God has for you. Maybe you just need to throw up your hands and give praise to God. Would you stand to your feet? We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.